enthusiast program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Welcome to another edition of Auto World, another hour, and it is the highlighted hour as we're going to be uh, joined by Dan Watson, the CEO of TheLoopPage.com, and you guys know what that means, the absolute best information from the number one guy when it comes to synthetics and lubrication. He's a certified lubrication specialist with over 25 years worth of experience. He's also one of the largest AMSOIL dealers, not just in one state, not just in two states, but in all of North America. And there's nobody that knows more about oil and lubrication that I personally know than Dan Watson. So get on board. Mackenzie is... uh, Taking your calls at 855-660-4261, doesn't matter if you get a diesel car, diesel truck, or you get a gasoline car, gasoline truck, if you're port injected, if you're fuel injected, if you're throttle body fuel injected, if you're multi-port fuel injected, it doesn't matter in the least. We can handle all those questions. We can also handle questions on anything else that moves. Marine equipment, boats, maybe you're lucky and you own a boat and you want to tell us about it. Well, we can help you with the lubrication side on that. Or maybe you're into uh, ATVs. Maybe you're in the farming business and have some farming equipment. Anything that requires lubrication is available for questioning out there on the table at 855-660-4261. Let's go to the Auto World guest lines and bring forth the man himself. Here he is, the guy that knows more than anything better. He knows more than anybody, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, on lubrication. He is a lubrication specialist with more than 25 years of experience, and here he is, Dan Watson. Dan, how you doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to sit here and think if I can live up to your... <laughs> Your introduction. I appreciate that. Yes, I have been doing this for a long time, and I am knowledgeable in these subjects, and uh, I'll accept that. So uh, it's a good evening to answer some questions, and hopefully we'll get some phone calls and some people will have some good questions because we always like to get hit with something that we just haven't heard before and have to figure it out, but we'll see what comes up. It's always good to get a live question, so if you're hearing us, uh, take a shot, because chances are you're hearing us live, unlike a lot of the weekend shows that are pre-taped, or they're put together in packages form during the week. Uh, This is live right now as we're speaking. Of course, if you're hearing us later on our archives or podcasts, that doesn't preclude you from participating because you can email me bob at autoworldradio.com or dan dan at the page.com anytime 24 hours a day 7 days a week you can even call dan and guess what dan will actually return your call which is something rare in 2000 2000-
2019. To have the CEO of a company to return your call may take him a day or so because he's got a lot on his plate, but he will return your call. Why don't you give out that number, Dan? Yes, that's 800-370-2986. Excellent. We have a lot of listeners in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and in that neck of the woods, there's a lot of great car people there. And uh, we got a question that's been uh, sent to us, and it says, uh, Dan, I have a 2002 Dodge diesel pickup. I'm a little confused on the correct engine oil to use. The latest oil I see is CK4, but the owner's manual says CI4, C14. Please help. Well, it's a good question because... We're always asking ourselves in this arena with diesels, is the next oil going to cover my diesel also? Well, one of the things in that that the uh, American Petroleum Institute, and they do classifications and certify these oils, is they want them to be backward compatible, which means that the latest rating must cover all the previous ratings. We're still in that state of doing things here in <coughs> excuse me, in the United States. Now, if you had a European vehicle with diesel specifications, uh, that wouldn't necessarily be true. You have to be very careful to make sure that you use the specified oil for that uh, European diesel. Now, in this case, CK4 does cover the CI4 plus rating from the past. However, if you still have access to legitimate CI4 plus oil, not some substitute, but it's really that oil, it has a little bit more of a robust additive package in it for your 2002 Dodge diesel than the current CK4. So there's a lot of people with those older diesels who continue to search out and try to find a pure CI4 plus oil. Here's the problem you run into. When you get a CK4 oil, it will say that it meets the I4 plus because it does. It meets the actual requirements. But what it doesn't say on there is that the CK4 oil is limited by the EPA in some of the additive package. It can't have too much of zinc and phosphorus and sulfur in it. So it would have a little less of that. And some people in those older engines prefer the high uh, robust additive package of the CI4 plus. But if you see an oil that says it's CK4 and it also shows that it covers CI4+, plus, it doesn't have the robust additive package because that would disqualify it from being a CK4. So if you come to us in AMSOIL and ask for a CI4 plus synthetic diesel oil, we've got one. And no, it doesn't meet the CK4 rating because it has too much of a robust additive package in it for the current EPA limits on those additives. So... That's where you can find one that's real, and I suggest that if you have a 2002 Dodge pickup, you give us a look and see if you want to use that oil, or you can move up to the CK4. It will meet the requirements. Good question, and it certainly seems to make sense that if he can get from Amsoil a CI4+, plus. Uh, compatible oil with those more robust additives probably is better for his uh, truck in the long run but uh, uh, by all means uh, give Dan a call if you have a question and want to speak to the man himself or shoot him an email it's uh, Dan Watson at the loop page dot com we've 
go to Bob in Massachusetts who gets, gets us excited here with a muscle car, a 69 Chevrolet Chevelle, the 396 cubic inch muscle car. Oh, yes, they sold <laughs> a lot of those, and uh, that's a fine vehicle. Uh, can I use... Amsoil, can I run Amsoil in this vintage car? This is a question that I get quite often from folks. They want to know about compatibility with Amsoil and these muscle cars, the vintage cars. What's the correct answer here, Dan? Well, you know that 1969 Chevelle uh, is a, in many cases, has what we call a flat tappet uh, cam system, valve system, meaning that it has could be solid lifter it might be roller cam i'm not sure in 69 but if it is one or the other when it was built it was designed for high levels of zinc and phosphorus in the engine oil i guess we'll finish it up when we come right back with the break yeah this is too too important to, to rush so we got plenty of time so just stay where you are you're listening to auto world that's what you should be doing I'm Bob Long. Don't go away. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. We're talking about muscle cars right now with Dan Watson, CEO of TheLoopPage.com. Bob in Massachusetts dropped us a note, dropped us a line, as they said, and uh, he's got a 69 Chevelle from Chevrolet, 396 cubic inch muscle car, and he wants to know if he can run Amsoil in his vintage car. And as I said to Dan, this is a very common question that, that I get. And uh, uh, there, there's lots to take into consideration. And now that we're back from the break, we can take a deep breath and, and fully address this question as you started, Dan. Well, when I started before the break, I was talking about that a great number of cars uh, in this vintage area used solid lifters, what's called flat tappet, cam and valve systems. And what you need in those systems is a robust amount, amount of zinc and phosphorus because the the camshaft has literally got a, a solid lifter of metal, and it's rubbing against that with the lobe on the cam. So you need a lot of anti-wear additive to prevent the camshaft from wearing, okay? Now, later on, and I'm not sure the exact time, we get more into a roller cam with this little roller on the end of the lifter, and it's rolling over the uh, lobe of the cam, and it's not quite as critical, but even so, when those rollers first came out, that we still had high zinc and phosphorus in those oils. And a lot of times, uh, depending upon the circumstance, we could have been a 40-weight oil instead of a 30-weight oil. So they were trying to have the best amount of uh, protection for that camshaft that they could. Now, when we come up to the synthetic oils or the modern petroleum oils in 2019, what we find is that the EPA has limited the zinc and phosphorus. So... When you're looking at that and you go, well, what kind of protection am I going to get on my camshaft if I buy a regular uh, 10W30 petroleum oil? And the truth is, uh, not a lot, okay? It's not going to function as well to protect it as the original design expected. So you have a choice of what you're going to run in there to give the maximum protection and what 
we recommend from AMS Oil is uh, you can run one of our signature series oils, and you will get all the protection that you need from that oil. It's a high anti-wear additive package. But we also make a group of oils that we call Z-Rod oils, and you can imagine that's for the hot rods or for these muscle cars, and we use, I think they use the Z on purpose. You could think of zinc when it says Z-Rod <laughs> because these oils are highly additized with zinc, phosphorus, and sulfur to give the maximum protection of the flat tappet cams that you would have expected to get back in 1969-70, that high levels of zinc and phosphorus. Now, the added protection you get when you put it in one of these uh, high-performance synthetic base stocks is you don't suffer the kind of loss of viscosity in high temperature and high stress situations that you can with petroleum. So you've actually upgraded the base stock and you've put a robust additive package of zinc and phosphorus. So for the listeners out there, if you're not interested in going to a synthetic oil and you're trying to find something that would have the zinc and phosphorus that you need to protect this, if you can find a 1540 diesel oil, heavy-duty diesel oil that is still only CI4+, because, see, when they went to the CK4, they dropped the zinc and phosphorus in those oils. So it's tough today to find the high zinc and phosphorus oils unless you buy one that's specifically rated to have high zinc and phosphorus like the Z-Rod oils that come from Amsoil. So we sell a ton of that oil for these cars because it's something they're looking for. By the way, it has extra rust inhibitor in it too. So for the infrequently driven classic car, it's a win-win. It gives you the kind of protection you need for the camshaft and it gives you added anti-rust and corrosion protection when the car is not being driven as often as maybe you'd like to. That sounds like a really great product. Uh, folks, by all means, if you're a muscle car owner, take Dan's advice and uh, get a hold of what he's talking about. I got a question here from Michigan, and it's a generator question. And boy, you see generators around all over the place at uh, big facilities, hospitals, and such, and, and you really don't think twice about it. But yeah, they, they're definitely going to need oil, and that's what this question from Michigan's about. I have a Predator generator, and it was calling for a 10W30 oil from day one. That's what I've been using, but it's now four years old. But I change the oil every few months. It's still running strong. But my question is, could I or should I start using the four-stroke 10W30 or keep using the 10W30 I use in my car? I hate to run into issues now if I switched. So... A good question out of Michigan, a generator question, a Predator generator. Sounds like a good brand of generator, good name, Predator. Well, it's a good generator, and he's asking a good question because um, there's always a question on these generators, and I don't know on this one because we can't talk to him, but the number one question I always ask on these things is, does it have an oil filter or not? And what I'm asking there is, you know, Bob, some of these small engines are splash lubricated means that there's a little uh, semi-cup on the end of the the bottom of the <coughs> connector rod bearing surface area, which picks up oil and slings it back up into the bottom of the piston area and so forth, and that's how they're lubricated. 
um, they have no filter. That's one type of small engine. Now, you step up to the next type of small engine, which actually has a, a oil pump and a forced lubrication system, and you can tell that because they put an oil filter on it, meaning that it does have flow running somewhere, and they push that through an oil filter to clean it. So those are important things because when you're running a splash-lubricated small engine, then you might as well use what we call the Amsoil four-stroke engine oil, and that is for small engine oil, okay? <clears throat> I got a little hack tonight, so excuse me on that. But the four-stroke oil is better suited for splash lubrication. Kind of jack that up with extra anti-foaming capability so that that egg beater effect of that splash lubrication doesn't just turn it all into foam, okay? So you can keep the oil lubricating like it's supposed to. Now, if it has a filter, then that action's not taking place, and we're into more of a classic four-stroke lubricated engine, just like the one sitting in your car. So if you're going to use 10W30 uh, engine oil for your car, right, then it's best that your small engine have an oil filter because that means that this oil is designed for a four-stroke engine that has a forced lubrication system, pressurized lubrication system, and a filter. If it doesn't have a filter, then the four-stroke oil for small engines is a better application because it's designed to take care of those. Now, you can run the four-stroke in a system that has a filter, okay, but that's a critical thing, whether there's a filter or no filter, so we'll let it rest at that. It's a good good thing to take into account. Look to see if you're, you've got a filter and it's going to lead you down the right path. 855-660-4261. Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. Dan Watson at TheLoopPage.com. More Around the Bend. I'm Jay Leno and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. What's up, man? How you driving? Cadillac down. I'm telling you. We're back in North America. Thanks for being here. If you're listening to us on one of our great radio stations, thank you very much. If you're listening to us at GCNlive.com, by all means, don't be a stranger. Give us a call. Uh, Mackenzie's standing by at 855-660-4261. And um, we also have email, bob at autoworldradio.com. Dan Watson at the thelubepage.com. Uh, any way you want to get your question to us, we will help you out. We'll throw out a, a quick uh, trivia question here. And this trivia question is related to an interview that we had in a prior hour of the broadcast. Uh, what year did the Ford Motor Company come into existence? What year did Ford come into existence as an official motor company? I went to their 100th birthday celebration. It was a big, big deal. They hosted all kinds of journalists for four or five days and uh, had concerts and had all kinds of wonderful stuff. But what, uh, what was the year? It was in the 1900s. What year did Henry Ford get the funding together to actually start the Ford Motor Company? The telephone is 855-660-4261. We've also got lubrication questions for 
the taking here. Anybody wants to ask a lubrication question to our expert, Dan Watson, by all means, take advantage of this opportunity at 855-660-4261, And did I mention that if you get the question right about Ford in the year that they uh, they went into business and they had a 100th birthday celebration um, back a little while in the uh, in the 2000s um we're going to give you a cool prize from the busted knuckle garage. So there you go. The reason why I decided to go with this question is because our next question is from Gil in New York, who owns a Ford Focus, a, a very popular Ford vehicle, 2012-2013. Uh, His owner's manual says that I should use a Motocraft 5W20 blend synthetic. My question is... What if I use full synthetic oil? Will it damage my car in the long term? I can understand his reluctance a little bit, Dan, but uh, sure, this, sure. Is, this is another question we get quite often. Well, the thing about it is is that let's just start this discussion with this uh, blended synthetic, okay? And I say this reluctantly but it's true and our our listeners need to understand this that definition doesn't exist really when somebody tells you that they're selling you a blend a semi-synthetic a partial synthetic a synthetic blend whatever they're calling it there is actually no regulation that says what that means in other words if i told you i was selling you a semi-synthetic semi means half so it kind of leads you to believe that it's half synthetic. But the truth is there's no regulation on that. It could be 5% synthetic and qualify as a synthetic plant. So since you really have no way of feeling that you know what you're getting, I just discourage anybody from buying <clears throat> blends or semi-synthetic. And that's because mm-hmm. you really just have no reliance on what that really means and you may be being sold uh 95% petroleum but paying synthetic prices for it so be careful in that aspect now the question if using full synthetic would damage his car and the answer is absolutely not okay that's kind of like saying that i bought my car and i had a bias ply tire out on the car and now I'm going to put some, I'm going to put radial tires on the car well putting radial tires on my car uh, harm my car the answer is no you just improved your car you'll have better handling higher speed better uh, temperature rating everything you want out of a tire you just in, improve your safety and your reliability of the tires so when you go to a legitimate real full synthetic engine oil over a blend that you know not what it really is constituted with, you've done two things. You've given yourself at least the assurance that this thing should be synthetic, and at the same time, uh, you really have a better product if you have a full synthetic versus a blend anyway. Even if you had a 50-50 blend, uh, it would not compare in its overall performance to a 100% synthetic Oil. So just, you know, I don't know why these questions come up like this, but 
Synthetic is a superior lubricating product. There is not a single educated lubrication engineer in the United States that would argue that point. The question always comes down to whether it is the feasible economical thing for you, the owner of a particular automobile, to use synthetic engine oil instead of petroleum. And there are factors that go into that, such as if your car has 300,000 miles on it and you're thinking of trading it in, it probably is a waste of your time to try to convert it over to synthetic. And other times it might not be successful because it might have so much sludge in it that the high detergent synthetic would be a problem loosening all that up after 300,000 miles. But these are considerations that would be specific to whichever vehicle we would be talking about. In general, any of these new vehicles, especially anything coming down the line since the year 2000, it's just a matter of shifting them over to synthetic and living long and prospering as the saving goes. But again, let me clarify, there is never a time that synthetic engine oil would harm your car. It would only give it greater protection and performance. The question is whether it's economically the right thing for you to do. So that's the best I can answer that one, Bob. That's a good way of answering it. Uh, I, I am not a fan of, fan of the, the blends. I think it gets mighty confusing. Matter of fact, we've got a question here from uh, Peter. And Peter's in Florida, and Peter says he listens to us uh, quite often. And uh, uh, he said he had been using... Uh, his dealership to do his oil changes, but recently he went to a quick lube type facility. He didn't specifically say here which facility, and he says he was shocked to see that uh, they offer oil in these mass quantities in these big plastic uh, containers filled. And uh, you know he, he's. Old school, he likes cans, he likes plastic bottles. He said, when do they start doing this? Well, Dan, you're in the trenches all the time. How long has this been going on? Oh, uh, probably six or eight years. What they've done is they've gone to these uh, easy dispensing plastic jug systems where uh, I don't know if anybody can relate to it, but they may still have some where they'll sell you like a two-gallon uh sort of rectangular jug that of water that you could put in your refrigerator and it's got a little uh pull push pull spout on the end of it to take water out and then close it and it's just a way to have a large quantity of what would have been we call bottled water but it's designed to sit in the refrigerator be cold and all you've got to do is pop that little nozzle on the end back and forth to take water out mm-hmm. so what they did in a lot of these quick lubes is to give them something that would be easy for them to use. They started making these plastic containers so they can sit on a rack, and you could have uh, 0W20, 5W20, 5W30, and 10W30 kind of sitting side by side, almost like the old, you know what they call a jerry can, those those uh, gas cans that you would see in World War II that were kind of square-shaped sitting on the back of a jeep. Sure. Yeah, well, they're sort of like that, and they can sit side by side, and it's easy for dispensing. But when we come back, we'll talk about this just a little bit more because I want to bring up something else. Yeah, absolutely. And by all means, folks, give us a guess here. What year did Ford get uh, get started? Early 1900s. 
800-449. No, sorry. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the story of the hot dog with the question out there about the Ford Motor Company when did it come into existence no it wasn't the year 1900 it wasn't the year 1901 it wasn't the year 1902 it wasn't the year 1907 it wasn't the year 1909 we're getting closer somebody get this right get yourself a free gift from Warren Tracy in the busted knuckle garage 855-660-4261 I've been doing radio my whole life every now and then all my shows the 800 numbers get all jumbled up once in a while. I'll, I'll screw up. But our 800 number is 855-660-4261. 855-660-4261. There was a time not that long ago when I was doing four different shows at the same time. And they all had different 800 numbers. And I didn't it used to get them messed up. So we're not going to start messing up. 855-660-4261. Or Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. Dan Watson at TheLoopPage.com. We're talking about a question that came in from Florida about uh, the way oil is now distributed, sold, dispensed at uh, quick lube facilities. And Dan, you're, you're giving us a, a little bit of a lesson here on what you can expect to find in a modern facility, and it leads me to wonder a number of questions. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Well, I was saying before the break that these things look sort of like one of those rectangular, what they call jerry cans, because I think they started as German uh, five-gallon cans that they would have on their tie up on the side of their tanks and stuff, but these are five-gallon containers, usually. They may make some that are uh, two-and-a-half, some that are five different sizes, depending on the company. But they'll sit on a rack side-by-side, side, so it's easy for the the uh, lube place to have a variety of oils, and all they have to do is take and go over there and take their usually four- or five-quart um, can with a spout and put the oil in it and then they take it over and then put it in the car. Now, other quick lubes have 55-gallon drums or even maybe a 275-gallon tank where they have hose reels and pistol dispensing uh, pumps that they're able to just stick the thing in and then uh, hit the trigger, and it'll put five quarts in automatically. Now, those are all different kind of systems. depends upon the quick lube, the type, and the size. But <laughs> the only thing I'll say about all this you actually feel, you can have more of a feeling of security when you see those five-gallon jugs and things lined up. They're pretty well-labeled and so forth. Sometimes you get a little bit of a queasy feeling if they've got a big bulk tank because yeah. some of the bulk tank providers can provide some stuff that's pretty, um, let's just say it's not the highest quality there is in that bulk tank. And when you get that, the question is, what are you really getting when they pump it out of that tank? You, have, you kind of say, well, I want them to put 5W30 synthetic in. They're pumping it out of a hose. Do they really have a 275-gallon tank of 5W30 synthetic, or is that more than likely some other form of petroleum oil because that would be what they might sell the most of that have in the big tank? So uh, 
all I can say is that they have different ways of doing this, and you have to kind of deal with people that you know and you can trust that they're giving you what you're actually purchasing and buying. And in today's marketplace, you have to be a little bit leery of this stuff because that quick lube may not be at fault. Mm-hmm. But the guys that sold them the bulk oil may be at fault that they're getting away with selling something that's substandard. And I wish Florida would get much, much more uh, deliberate and stern about their consumer protection in this oil industry and get out and, and be sampling these oils all over the state and finding out if they're really what you know the, they claim they are so they can protect the consumer. Why do I like that being done? Because I know every time they sample Amsoil, it's going to be 100% of exactly what it says it is, and they're only going to catch the charlatans that are out there selling substandard stuff, which would delight me because the consumer uh, needs to be protected against these charlatans that run around selling substandard lubricants and getting away with it. So, so I think that's uh, enough to say about the... You know, the the quick loop, so we'll just move on. And speaking of Florida, we've got a question from Juan in Sarasota, Florida. I have a 28-foot fishing boat with dual four-stroke outboards. What oil would you recommend for these two high-tech engines? That sounds like quite the fishing boat. Well, in the four-strokes, the big four-strokes are popular, especially when you get up to the size of a 28-foot boat. Because, folks, if you're if you know uh, outboard motors, one of the difficulties with four-strokes when they get to be this is probably at least 150s, if not 200. 250 horsepower outboards on a 28-foot boat, two of them, they got to be at least 200, 225 horse. You're starting to have to make a pretty big four-stroke engine to produce that kind of power. And what happens is they're very heavy. So you got to have a big boat like this 28-foot fishing boat to, to strap those things on the back of it and not be too heavy for the boat. One of the advantages to the two-stroke engines, they can produce more power in a lighter weight engine than the four-stroke. But that being said, these four-strokes just have to be rated as high-performance, just call them racing-class uh, four-strokes. Because, again, what you do in this marine application, and everybody knows it, is you're idling along, having a good thing, and then you get to where you want to go, and that throttle doesn't go halfway. It just goes all the way down. So now you got your two big four-stroke outboards pushing up on a plane and you're having fun and you're going and those two outboards are running between 4,500 and 5,000 RPM and depending upon how far you go you may go for the next 30 or 45 minutes running at that speed just having a good old time well that's a that's a heavy severe duty on a four-stroke engine to run at a consistent high RPM you just look at your tachometer in your car when you're driving down the highway. You're not doing 4,500 RPM. You're doing maybe 2,000, and that's because you got that wonderful transmission to keep shifting gears and keeping your RPM down, and you're going down the road. But in a boat, this thing has a propeller, and that propeller is like a pump. It has to keep churning at the rate it's going to hold the speed. There's no way to back off on it. And to understand that now, that the pitch on that screw means that on that propeller, I'm a Navy guy, I keep calling it a screw, but it's a propeller, is going to put the same amount of resistance back on that shaft. In other words, you have to have torque in these engines to keep pushing 
that propeller all the time. When you're going down the highway in your car, once you're up to speed, you're using really very little torque and horsepower. It's just kind of keeping you going. But that boat will not move without that propeller displacing so much water with every revolution. So what it's doing is it's got that it's got to do that work all the time. So here this motor is running under heavy load at 4,500 to 5,000 RPM and just working its tail off, really. And so in any of these four-stroke outboards, you would be wise to protect that engine with the very best uh, engine oil that you can put in it. I mean, you cannot have any overkill in a four-stroke outboard. Now, he didn't say on these, he didn't tell me whether they're Hondas or whether they're Yamahas or whether they're uh, Evinrude's, but all I can say is Honda usually uses a 30 weight in these, and some of the other guys use a 40 weight. So you're going to be looking for a true marine-grade uh, engine oil, which is designed for four-stroke outboard or four-stroke outboard and inboard, but it must be designed and be carry the uh, FCW rating for four-stroke outboard engine, okay? And here's why. That little engine, I say little, it isn't very big to produce 200 horsepower. I mean, this thing is probably, if it's a Honda, it's a four-stroke, it might be, it might be two liters, okay? But yeah, this engine is two liters, so producing 225 horsepower and a whole bunch of torque. So this is a powerful engine, and you have to protect it in that same way. We're running out of time here, but just let me tell you, uh, you buy the very best oil, and you buy one that says it's a real marine engine oil. You can find them, but uh, from Amsoil, we make two, make a 10W30 and a 10W40 for these applications, which is specifically designed around this high-performance, high-torque requirement on these engines. I highly recommend that if you you, you you check us out, check out AMZO for the four-stroke engine oils for this application. Now, if you don't find us, check out Mobile, check out one of the other guys, and look for something, though, that is rated for marine service and for four-stroke outboards because they take you you got to use the best oil. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Absolutely. Give out your telephone number and email one more time for us, Dan. Well, it is 800-370-2986. And you can get me at Watson at loophage.com and visit loophage.com. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. What a great job. All right, Bob. We'll see you next. The answer to the trivia question is 1903.